podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number one of the Danny Button MMA show only on Ace Podcast Nation. I'm your host, Sai. Here at Ace Podcast Nation, we've got podcasts, series and shows, all types of subjects with regular series on mental health, conspiracy theories, the serial killer files, the podcast with no name, which is our films and TV show, uh, wrestling. And of course, we have a weekly football show, the Andy Campbell football, uh, Andy Campbell championship show, should I say. Uh, which is out every Wednesday. He's focused on the Skybet Championship, uh, news and results with former Premier League and Championship striker Andy Campbell providing the insight and expert analysis. Uh, we also have got interviews and guests on all sorts of stuff, including actors, musicians, wrestlers, fighters, pretty much any subject that's uh, interesting. We're happy to do a show on it. You can find all the shows in video format on, at youtube.com slash Nation. Also available in audio download at Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, and every other podcasting app and catcher under the sun. Uh, don't forget, also, we've got our popular series, Unscripted and Uncensored, where you, the people, send in the questions, topics for my guest and I to discuss. Uh, these shows are a lot of fun, can go off the rails pretty quick, because I have no control over the subjects. Uh, so far, we've had Roderick Giggs. MMA fighter or former MMA fighter Lee Remedios, uh, away day apparel owner Alan Jones, and of course my co-host for today's show, former Cage Warriors featherweight champion and British MMA legend, Mr. Danny Button. Welcome, Danny. Uh, we're mate. Uh, we're back again. Back again, indeed. Back for another show, and it's going to be semi-regular one now with these um, these uh, UFC shows come relatively quick, as at least once a month. So. Yeah, Good. yeah, that's thick and fast these days. Oh yeah, I mean, I was thinking when uh, when we first discussed it, it was like, oh, should we should we do one for every show? And then we realised that it was like every week there's some sort yeah, of yeah. show. We can't do that. <laughs> I'm not supposed to record on Sunday, so my missus would be furious <laughs> if I turned around and said uh, every Sunday. But. Uh, <laughs> It was a pretty interesting show with some good fights, knockouts and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, we'll go through the main card now, fight by fight, with Danny providing uh, some technical insights and analysis. And uh, yeah, we'll get, get into the action. Just uh, one last plug from the sponsor of the episode quickly before we get into it. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Away Day Apparel. Away Day Apparel is a group of casually obsessed football fans looking to bring something different to the wardrobes of like-minded people. With football, mu- music and weekend party and high on the agenda, they aim to bring some exclusive products. They are edgy, controversial, but most importantly current, from t-shirts, polos, shorts to hoodies, jackets and accessories. Stick with them and they aim to bring you terrace wear that will turn heads and provide the cutting edge look we all crave. Okay, so that's the plugs. Done and dusted. Let's get into the, uh, the good stuff. Um, <laughs> So UFC 243 last night from the Marvel Stadium in Melbourne, Australia. Massive mm-hmm. crowd. Was there. I think they announced it at just over 57,000, which is yeah, the, impressive. High, it's the highest, highest attendance for an MMA event. I think the previous mm. record was uh, mm. 56,000 
200 okay. odd, which was uh, Ronda Rousey and Holly Holm. Uh, oh, wow, so going back quite three, a long time. Quite a while. So yeah. 50 shows. And when you think, you know, how UFC just seems to grow and grow and grow, doesn't it? But, yeah. So I'm quite surprised that it's taken that long for them to break the record. But I suppose, yeah. I suppose there's only so many stadiums which uh, equipped to do an MMA event and fit that many people in. But sure. uh, 56,000 56, is a big amount. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, I think they're basing, you know, they're, they're wanting figures on the, the pay-per-views and stuff. I think that's where the, the money comes in for UFC. Yeah, and I mean, it's a weird one. Obviously, for us in the UK, I don't know about you, but I don't tend to watch them live anymore because I just can't. I haven't got the, the staying power to stay up but I, all night. The very few where I try to stay up and watch them, I fall asleep by about two o'clock. I just yeah, yeah. hold for it now, so I end up watching it in the morning over a cup of coffee. Yeah. You're the same as me. I watch it on the Sundays, uh, as it normally is. Just, yeah. anything, if you, like, we both got kids. It's like you stay up till four or five in the morning watching UFC sure. or not or boxing or whatever. You know, your kids still wake up at six o'clock, still want their breakfast <laughs> and still want you up and about. So, I mean, yeah, quite happy to watch them in the morning these days. Uh, yeah, it was. I thought it was overall, I thought it was a pretty good show. I thought compared to perhaps some previous UFC cards, it wasn't a massively strong card full of uh, like big names, if you like. Yeah. Obviously, the main event was a big one. Um, yeah. And there were some interesting fights as opposed to, you know, like your, your kind of your, your super names or your big star names. Sure. But the Australian audience or the crowd there, they were well into it. They were really Yeah, good. yeah. They, they they really support their fighters. You can see that, and you know just by their attendance, like you pointed out, it makes a big difference as well. When the crowd's into it, um, it just makes a whole difference to the overall viewing of the, yeah. you know, the fights. Because if you've got if the crowd are sort of getting a bit frustrated because there's a lot of grappling and there's not much striking going on, it kind of can get some distracting sometimes. Sure. Okay, so the first fight was... Uh, I'm going to probably butcher some of these names now, so I apologise in advance. Um, Jürgen de Castro versus uh, Justin Taffer uh, was finished in the first round, 2 minutes 10, uh, via a KO punch, or a right overhand punch. And, was that uh, on the main card, was it? That yeah, that was the first, first, that... first fight of the main card, that one was. Oh, I might have actually missed that one. <laughs> ah, right, That's okay. a good no, start, isn't it? Yeah. There, there we go. Um, I've, got, I've got four down on the main card. All ah, right, okay. So, so you've got the, the Lima fight as the first one of you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I no, had. No, that's, that's, that's the second one. But I mean, to be <laughs> honest with you. <laughs> like we were talking before, I, I had a real busy day going into work and everything. And I got back and, and quickly looked through them. That's why I threw you that message. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's was, it was fine. Yeah. To be honest with you, it was, uh, it was a quick, quick fight. It was over in uh, two minutes. And I mean, you know, the, the crowd was with Taffer big time. Um, yeah, yeah. They had a wild, wild striking exchange. And uh, and then De Castro cracked him with a big uppercut and then an overhand right as he sort of came, as Taffer was pushing forward and he went stiff right. as a board. Uh, and it was one of those okay. KOs where it's, you could see his toes curling, his eyes glazed. Uh, he was not getting up. Um, right, and to be yeah, fair, yeah. the... Um, the, the crowd straight away, they were applauding De Castro. You know, they appreciated right. the, 
the skills, even though their fighter had, you know, had lost in quite decisive mm-hmm. fashion. They, yeah, you know, they yeah. were, they gave him a real, a real ovation. Uh, right. It was certainly an interesting fight to kick off the, kick yeah, off yeah, yeah. the. I've, I've actually got it on now. We have a tablet as, as we yeah, speak. Right. So I'm curious. I'm just watching them slug it out now. Yeah, it doesn't look too, too, too hugely technical. Oh, no. I'll just see. The oh, no, there was <laughs> a couple of minutes of slugfest. I mean, uh, it was a good I was going to say, it was a good job I didn't miss a super technical one. Um, yeah. There's not a lot to be yeah, said about that one. Yeah, that's it. I, I, I think I can take the, the couple of punches. I, I'm, I'm all right with that. It's when I start getting into technical, into uh, BJJ and stuff. That's uh, when I need you to uh, <laughs> provide the, <laughs> the proper stuff. So, yeah, it, yeah, look, it was a hell of a KO. And uh, he, uh, it's a big... It's a big stage for both these guys. Yeah. And for De Castro, it may have only been yeah. a short fight, but he looked impressive. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, interesting. I'm just going see. through it again now. I mean, if this was just a slugfest. I mean, uh, they was wanting to put each other away quick. And uh, yeah, this yeah, was, it was ouch. three rounds. <laughs> was not going three rounds like yeah. that one. No, no, no. Be interesting to see who they put him up against next because. You know, he's he's won it in decisive fashion on the big yeah. show, opening up the yeah. show as well. And yeah. uh, you know, it got the crowd going as well. First mm-hmm. fight of the first fight of the show, and and there the way they go. So um, the next fight was uh, Luke Jumo uh, versus Diego Lima. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a very interesting fight. Yeah. Well, now that. That one was, you know, quite interesting because uh, yeah, I've come out at a really slow pace. Um, yeah, a really, really tentative uh, pace. Um, now, I, I think personally, you know, Luke should have pushed the pace on him because um, he, he looked a little bit fragile at times. He got clipped. Um, do you remember seeing Lima get clipped? And he uh, took his legs away from him momentarily. It didn't look like a particularly hard shot. So you've got to wonder whether he does a big weight cut because he's big at the weight. Um, and I, I would have liked to have seen him push forward a little bit, but he just seemed to stay on the outside a little bit too long. So whenever they did exchange, you know, Lima was you know, just throwing back in little flurries and uh, able to shake him off each time. But, yeah, it just didn't push the pace on Lima. That's what I felt. Um, he just took too much damage in the long run. Yeah, and I think like even... In the last round, when I thought I thought Lima was clearly up two rounds, mm. two rounds up going into the final round, you felt like even you know if if Luke could just push him a bit, you never yeah. you know you never know in a fight anyway. But I just no. like you say, he did look like he could be susceptible if he put him under a bit of pressure, but perhaps he didn't. Yeah, didn't quite. Yeah. put him under pressure. Yeah, I was really surprised about it. Obviously, he was giving away height. Um, he's giving away some reach. So, you know, pressing close was something that was on the agenda physically. But uh, it just, just didn't seem to, to push forward as, as much as I thought he would, especially when he started dropping down the rounds. Um, you would have thought there would be more urgency. Yeah. Um, and I think I heard his corner, you know, going into the final round saying, you know, don't rush in, and, which was kind of strange to me. You know, you, yeah. you would be thinking, you know, you've got to lay it all out there now and try to put something on this guy. Because there definitely was a, a seeming chink in the armour of Lima in that I see him get rocked and he didn't like it when he was coming forward. Lima started really backpedaling, but, um, yeah, he just didn't seem to, I don't know, maybe want it enough. 
Yeah, it's a strange yeah. one because the thing is, like, I thought Lima's leg kicks were brutal. They were really strong. That was strong. at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, and they seemed to um, take a bit out of, out of Luke. You know, by the end of the first round, you could see he was sure. limping. And, yep. you know, by midway through the second, it was really affected him. But yep. equally, like you say, whenever he did push forward, Lima was going back straight away. So you would, yeah, would have was. liked to have seen what would have happened if he could have clipped him a couple of times. But Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, he could have uh, perhaps take, taken a sting out of those kicks by, you know, shooting him with those takedowns a little bit more. You know, it's quite exasperating for these strikers when you press them in the wrestling, you know, trying to fight them down. Even if you don't get them down, just pressing them up against the fence, leaning on them a little bit. You know, just to so you take that little bit of sting out their strikes. But, uh, yeah, it just didn't do that enough. Stayed on the outside. He allowed Lima to dictate the pace, which obviously he likes that comfortable sit back, almost like a tie style where you kind of stood in front of each other a little bit. It's almost like a gentleman bout. And, um, yeah, yeah. And he's going to come out the winner in, in that scenario because of the height and the reach that he had. And, and doing that early damage with those low kicks, which are so popular now in UFC. You're seeing these yeah. calf kicks come into the equation so often, and, and they've really put someone out of commission pretty quick. Um, and that was a classic example of it right there. But he only landed, you know, a few at the beginning, and, and then he started backpedaling, like I say. Um, and I was really surprised that that didn't give Luke the confidence to maybe, you know, follow it up a little bit and, and dig deep, deep to at least show that he really wants it and wants to be in there. And never looked like he felt he was going to win it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you like for like casual fans or people who've like myself who've never sort of done any sort of fighting MMA or you know any martial arts, like just how much uh, can a you know good leg kicks take it out of a fighter from a yep. you know just a, in terms of how it affects the rest of your game going into the fight. Sure. Yeah, well, I, I think we're seeing these calf kicks. For one, you know, the result of landing a good one is, is, is very apparent very quickly. Um, it makes it obviously difficult for the, the guy who likes to come in with his hands. It kind of makes the scenario a little bit difficult if you're giving up some reach. Um, it makes it really difficult for the, for the guy with the reach deficit to come in. You, know, you have to try, I mean, to try to step in with that lead leg, obviously. And, and that's the one that you're trying to attack if you're trying to defend your range. Um, and if really Phil fell of that, but Phil fell of it just purely because he was stood in front of him. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what his game plan is. You know, I would like to have known what perhaps his game plan was at the beginning to be standing in front of him like that because I don't think a shot was thrown in any meaningful way for, for a good while. Um, there was really no, sizing I think up each other's range. Yeah, yeah very, very strange start to a UFC. Very strange start. But, um, yeah, um, and he, he, you know, he wasn't league leg slipping. It just wasn't like he made adjustments to it. So, OK, the strategy never changed, it seemingly. Uh, you know, didn't really push any harder. But he wasn't changing his defence up. He kept on just lifting the leg up and tried to ride the kick. But the damage had already been done, unfortunately, for him. But I would have liked to have perhaps seen a leg slip. Maybe his leg was too injured to shin block. But certainly see him slip out of it or, or fight in the opposite stance more effectively would have been good. Yeah, so, so, if a, so if a fighter you know, gets hurt by those low kicks early on yep. in a fight, yep. if you're there, if you're coaching, what would you be telling them? Would you tell them to check the kicks or would you 
you know, be telling them to go for more well, of a, a take, yeah, take again, down or something like that. You know, once once your lower leg has been injured like that, you probably was not in any frame of mind or, or in a kind of physical shape to, to shin block once the leg had been damaged in that way. But certainly at least defensively seeing a leg slip, you know, slip in his stance or fighting in the opposite stance. You know, something that I push my guys to do is to learn to fight both ways. And not only can it be a good strategical thing to do, but it can also be a good thing to do regards keeping you in the fight if you do get a damaged lead leg. Um, yeah, uh, but I just I didn't see adjustments. No, he 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 uh, his game plan stayed the same through all three rounds. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like you mentioned about him staying very much in front of Lima, he didn't change the angles. He didn't go for a takedown. He mm-hmm. kind of just stood where Lima wanted him. I mean, if if yep. you'd asked me before, what does, you know, where does Lima want this fight? And I would have said he wants it face to face. Yeah. Stood up. You know, he yeah, probably yeah. wouldn't have wanted to go to the ground. He wouldn't have wanna, wanted to, you know, really get down and dirty and go mm-hmm. into a strike and he would have liked to have done it from distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, just going back to, you know, your, your original question you asked, you know, what would I like to see? Well, a lead leg slip would have been good to, to get that leg out of damage and get it out of harm's way. And then perhaps doing that leg slip and, and doing a little charge of shots to try and shoot in, try, try and get that crutch, crutch hold into a single, crutch into a single, then double maybe. You know, just get him up against the fence and, and try and work some of that explosive kicking out of his game. But um, yeah, he got him backpedaling, which is a you know, great opportunity for you to shoot in. And the shoot just didn't happen frequently enough or committed enough. But, you know, he might have been putting a brave face on that. You know, maybe he was a lot hurt than we realise, you know, and he just didn't feel that he had it in him to chase forward. Yeah, I guess they lose a bit of their kind of explosive, uh, like the push and whether it's for a takedown or kicks or yeah. you know, anything, everything comes through your hips and your legs, doesn't it? So if sure. you have got that damaged leg, it can make it difficult. Difficult. i got to ask you, because I couldn't believe my uh, eyes and ears when I heard the decision read, when it was a split oh, yeah. decision. Jesus Absolutely. Christ. I mean, but that's why... I know- that's why fighters it's so dangerous if you go into that Mm. last round thinking oh i'm two rounds up i'm just gonna you know take it easy not that lima particularly did but i mean you know how many times do you see fighters sit back in that third round sure Uh, different judges judge things differently i i guess we can only say you know we're all human we all see different things within a fight you know if you read a reading book you know we all read into things and and things stick out in your mind more uh, about one part of the book that over another, depending on who's reading it. But with this, you know, obviously people were seeing different things in the fight, and I can only but think that one of the judges saw the fact that Lima was backpedaling a lot in one of the rounds, that that he scored it against him. But yeah, that was, that was absolutely shocking. <laughs> um, yeah, you could even see, I, um, uh, sorry, uh, you, Luke's reaction when they read the, if you watch it again, you watch the, when they read the scores, even he yeah. is like, amused by that because he knew you know he knew he'd lost all three rounds yeah yeah absolutely. and even he couldn't believe it and yeah, you just think yeah. like you know I, I do wonder sometimes about these like yeah. the judges what they're seeing um absolutely i mean uh, that was, it was a confuser i don't know whether they actually ever released the actual scorecards and you know how the judges score it i don't know whether they actually do that if they don't they perhaps should <laughs> I think they read. I, they did. They read out the scores, but I don't think they say which judge 
you know which, which judge, judge did it. it yeah um i didn't make a yeah. note of them otherwise i'd uh, i should have really but uh, yeah, yeah i it, it must be worrying for fighters, you know, because you just oh, gotta be. you don't know where you are in the fight. I mean, regards, you know, who's in whose corner, you get a sense of where your man is in the fight. But with judging like that, it's got to make you wonder where you are at any time in the fight. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I forget which fight it was last year that I watched a fight. Um, oh, the guy completely can't remember who it was. But the, this guy was through, like going into the third round. Or the final round was, I think it might have been the fifth round. And then, um, you know, he was like three, I think he was three rounds to one down, possibly four down. Yeah. You know, he was clearly losing the fight. And his mm. corner was telling him to, you know, just keep it tight in this round. Don't make, don't take any risks. And mm. it was like, well, you're thinking, no, he needs to do the opposite to that. He needs yeah, to take some yeah. risks because otherwise he could potentially lose this round, you know, mm. five rounds to, to zero. Yeah, yeah. And it, like you say, everyone sees fights differently. And I think the best fighters are the ones who've got the best corners also, um, who yeah, can yeah. read the fight. They can change their plans during a fight. Yeah. And maybe, yeah, yeah. You, maybe it's Luke good to have, it's good to have some fight. kind of experience going in on in your corner. Um, for, for those rounds that perhaps are a little bit unclear to voice to your man, you know, whether you think he's really ahead or not. But, uh, you know, one of the things that we try to put in place when we're training guys in our camp is, you know, get ahead, stay ahead. Very, very rarely will you ever have a strategy to, you know, lay on your laurels and let a round go, uh, yeah. then make a late charge. Um, very, very few times you would ever have that strategy in place. But we very much want to establish in the first round dominance and, and you try and stay ahead. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, I guess in wherever possible, you don't want to be relying on scorecards. Because you just, that's right, yeah. That's proven. You never just uh, never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, absolutely scary. Um, especially being it's the UFC. I mean, this is the the show where everyone wants to get. Um, you know, this is the, the ultimate uh, place to show your skills, and um, and to think that it can be tainted by bad judges um, is pretty, yeah, pretty bad. I mean, it, you, I mean, you've got the ref in as well. Sometimes you get bad. Yeah decisions on the ref stopping fights early etc or in fact late but uh yeah the judges they should really um have their act together i don't know what the score is with it sometimes well the thing is i suppose as well is with ufc it's not just the fighters who are trying to aim to get there because it's the you know the top of the game but it's the referees yeah. the the judges it's everyone yeah. the commentators everybody wants to get there because that's the you know the pinnacle of the sport if you like mm -hmm. and when you see judging like this and like you mentioned some over the last year or two there's been some really suspect refereeing decisions it's it makes you wonder you know what's going on yeah because i just could not see like i take into account what you said about maybe it was where he was backing off a bit but mm -hmm. i thought he, i thought lima clearly clearly won every round yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that part of the equation of who, who wins a round is done on you know how you dominate the cage with your footwork and presence. But you know, when he when Lima was backpedaling, there was nothing really coming at him in terms of effective attack. That's just as much as doing a takedown, doing nothing with it, and the guy scrambles up after five ten seconds. You know, it's not really going to score in any heavy way because there was no damage done. There was no productivity done with that good position. Um, so as much as he's backpedaling, you know, there's got to be something regards the attack coming forward to make him backpedal to make that score, surely. Yeah, I think so. Um, 
So the next fight was uh, yeah. tied to Vasa versus Sergei Spivak. I really enjoyed this fight, I've got to say. Right. Yeah, really yeah, enjoyed yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, as you say these, I click on them. <laughs> so yeah, I can, uh, cool. no, I can watch right. them play by as we talk. Um, yeah, so the I thought uh, Tivasa started really well. Uh, he dropped Spivak with a nice leg kick before landing. That's a right. Of shots. Yeah, he, he he was looking really convincing in the first sort of like thirty seconds to a minute. Um, you know, so much power on those kicks. But um, what I noticed, Sergey did. If you notice, um, after he received a couple of those leg kicks, he leg slipped one of them, and um, and that meant he had his timing down. That means he had a response. He he adjusted to the timing of that kick. And then he started catching the kick and taking him down. Um, so it was really, really good to see that Sergey uh, adjust his strategy and started turning what was um, ultimately being successful of his opponent to then turning it against him. And it just seemed that, um, you know, uh, he, he didn't learn his lesson. He kept throwing that leg kick and then got yeah. himself taken down. And then it started to show a pattern. I mean, some of those takedowns were really good. There was real, um, I think it's got his sumbo base, isn't it, that he's got. Um, really nice, you know, hip tosses, um, flipping straight over, and unusually on the ground, going for scaffolds, which you don't see very often. Yeah, his um, takedowns were so quick as well. They weren't just, yeah. you know, strong. They were so quick. He, you know, he yeah. was over. He was over and down within seconds. Um, yeah, yeah. And funny enough, what we've just talked about with the first fight with, uh, with Lima is mm. that Luke didn't, you know, he didn't uh, adapt as the fight went along, whereas no. Sergei, uh, Sergei Spivak adapted within probably two minutes of the fight starting. That's right. Yeah, very, very quickly he changed it up. He, he showed uh, a defensive adjustment in the lead leg slip, and then he showed a counter adjustment uh, by slipping back and catching that kick. Um, but with Luke, what we saw was instead of him having his foot down, receiving the full-on impact of that shin kick he just tried to lift his leg up and ride the kick which means you're still receiving some of the consequence of that kick and and you can't counter off it if you lift your leg up and your leg leg gets kicked away you can't come in for a takedown you can't count the strike you're just receiving and and surviving um and, and that's the pattern that got set for that fight and what happened happened but this yeah, one was think, different yeah and i think what uh Spivak did as well very well is as as I mentioned I was impressed with that the, the speed of his takedowns but I thought he yeah. also showed a lot of power in his takedowns there was yes. one uh, where he literally just dragged him to the floor absolutely um, yeah um, and, and what you'll realize is as well there's a fair old bit of weight difference between these two I mean one weighed in at 264 that Thai uh, Tavasa weighed in at 264 and Sergey weighed in at 233 I mean that's a fair bit of weight difference right there and um, and he threw him like he was a feather at times, you know, really nailed those throws. He did, yeah. And that uh, that first round was a strange one because I, you know, like you say, the first couple of minutes, uh, Tavasa was so so. He looked, he started off sharp, and he started Very off explosive. Really, yeah, I think that's the perfect word, explosive. But then mm. by the end of the round, I thought Spivak won the round quite comfortably. Not like a ten-eight yeah. comfortably, but you know, there was a clear winner. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a couple of sticky moments still. I mean, again, I think oh, yeah. it was to do with this weight advantage that, that he had. You know, he did get taken down several times in that first round, but he kept going for that scarfold. I think it was because of the way he was throwing him. He was doing a head and arm throw. 
which making him land into that scarf hold. But just the, the, the weight and the power Tavaza um, allowed him to keep scrambling back to the feet. But, you know, that takes a lot of energy to scramble back up to your feet, particularly when you're, you're, you're a big man like he is. And, um, and then he got taken down again very quickly, then again. And each time he got taken down, it's taken him that little bit longer to get back up. And, of course, he was less explosive on his feet. He's unable to do as much damage. Um, and the tide, after a while, began to, to tell on him as that pattern started to ensue throughout the rounds. So, like, as a fighter, I think sometimes people, again, I go back to, like, myself or people who have never had any experience with fighting. I think mm. people don't realise how much it takes out of you to be t taken down and yeah. have the full body weight of someone on top of you. Sure. Um, and you've got to not just manoeuvre your own body up from the you know from underneath, but you've also got yeah. the full weight of your opponent on you. Um, of course. Like, just can you sort of give us a bit of insight or describe like just how much it does take out of a fighter in that situation? Yeah, I mean, this is going to go down to you know where that comfort zone is for that fighter. So if you're a guy that's mainly striking based and you've learnt your ground to be more defensive and you're more scrambling up. You know, being on the ground could be an uncomfortable affair, um, and there's a lot of anxieties to be had. And um, you know, but for a skilled practitioner on the ground, even though they can be underneath, um, you know, it's an area that they're really comfortable with, and it, it doesn't stress them. Um, uh, so you know, it really does depend on what your background is, and of course, you get your well-rounded guys. But yeah, it, it is difficult to go from ground to being stood, partly because when you're grappling or you're wrestling. Your muscles are getting filled with used muscle, uh, um, sorry, used blood, and um, it can make you feel a little heavy. So if you do manage to scramble back to your feet, it's, it's almost like you, you just want to sh shake shake your arms off and shake your legs off, but you don't have the time to do so. Um, yeah, so take, it can be quite uh, exasperating. Yeah, that must take a lot of energy, um, particularly if you've got a bigger opponent, to you know to scramble from underneath or to get them off you and then get back up. That must you know, must use up a lot of explosive energy just to be able yeah. to get back to your feet in some cases. Yeah. So, yeah, it is. And and, and it's never over when you scramble back up yeah. to your feet, you know. You're either going to get clinched up again, wrestled up again, or, or you're being struck at. So, um, you know, that's the beauty and the cruelty of MMA, I guess you would say. Um, there's just nowhere where you're safe from potentially no, receiving your strike so you're trying to scramble to your feet which takes two arms two legs to do so and you've got someone trying to throw down punches and and hard as they can elbows it's a, a definitely a difficult scenario getting up off your back trying to get back to your feet it's a, a, a anxiety type situation yeah so round two uh the begin with uh spivik attacked uh tivasa with an overhand right and then he yeah. attacked him with some jabs so he was quite uh, quite quick into the strikes um, yeah. and then he took up a half guard Tivasa uh, gets up, he cracks him with a big elbow strike which That's what he just did, for a yeah. second I thought that was gonna he looked like he had rocked, just for a split second looked like he had uh, rocked him a little bit and uh, Tivasa yeah. then started attacking with some kicks um, but then yeah. they kind of exchanged a few rights, both of them yeah. and that seemed to help Spivak just get to grips with yeah. maybe I think I feel like it's strange to say, but being able to exchange with his own strikes after the exactly. elbow strike and the and the yeah leg he, he was happy to strike. Him get to get... Yeah, so Sergey was um, now knowing that he could take it down pretty much whenever he really needed to. 
And so, of course, he could strike with a little bit more confidence because he knew if anything come back, meaningful back, he's got that shooting shot to take him down. And, and he did. He got taken down a fair old few times when you add up over the course of the duration of that fight. Um, and I think that's what gave him the confidence and made him relax and, and throw back those shots. You know, it just opened up those takedowns to be even more, even more clear for him. Yeah, and I think as well, I suppose the confidence which Sergei Spivak got from knowing that you could take him down at any point must also yep. give his opponent quite a lot of anxiety because he's always looking out for that takedown, but he's also yep. obviously got to watch out for the big strikes because he's a big dude. Sure. And he's mm-hmm. it puts him in two two frames of mind, and then yeah. I suppose that's where you know mistakes happen. Um, Spivak scored another takedown on Tuavasa, uh, and uh, he gets the side control. He gains the yeah. full mount. Uh, that's right. He... Yeah, he got his he got his knees completely together, which you know uh, goes to show a little bit of lack of know how for Tuavasa. I mean, having your knees caught together like he did uh, was not. Uh, a great showing of his uh, wrestling defense skills. Um, and that's why he was taken down so easily with that one. And, and like you say, mounted, because once his knees were together, they never really came apart and he just slipped over into that mount position. Uh, and then, the, well, it started to be a slippery slope to defeat thereafter. Yeah. But um, if you actually have a look when he was mounted, you know, he never really had his feet on the floor. His feet were left poking up in the air. It didn't even look like he was trying with his lower body to escape up anymore. It's like he kind of quit a little bit. I think he got cut on the eye maybe or he, he got quite badly cut, didn't he, from one of the elbow strikes. And uh, it kind of like just knocked the life out of him a little bit. It's almost like he was looking for that way out. Mm. Yeah, like you often see when fighters get in that position where their opponent is trying to mount them, get into full mount, you'll yeah. see them sort of rocking their hips and they're, you know, they're really trying to explode from their hips yeah. to get out from underneath. And you're right, he kind of, you didn't see that from him. His legs were just sort of yep. there in the air. And sure. like you say, he had, he had his knees together and it wasn't long after that. Uh, Spivak got the ground and pound. And then um, I really liked the way he got into the arm triangle choke. He yeah. um, he kind of pulled away from it, didn't he? And then he went into it as he turned. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah. To be honest, you know, Tavazza made it easy for him. He, he, yeah. he was laying on his side. Um you know, the only time you've got to go on your side when you're on a on your back or in a mountain position is to push for half guard and try and scramble up. But he didn't. He's kind of loitered on his side with his feet not connected to the floor. Um, and of course, you're asking to be arm triangled. You know, normally, you know, to try and do an arm triangle when someone's square down and you're trying to do it, it's a little bit hard to prep up. Uh, but when someone's got their shoulder high like that, they, they're going to start burying in real deep. So he kind of like... Yeah, added to the effect of it by having bad positioning on the ground. He, he didn't behave properly uh, in that mount position that he uh, was put into. Yeah, and yeah. once the choke, once the uh, the arm triangle choke was in, uh, it wasn't yeah. long. Uh, no, so no, the fight no. finished three minutes fourteen into round two, and yeah. I thought it was a f- pretty convincing display by uh, Sergei Spivak, uh, and obviously yeah. tied to Avassa is. Uh, was I don't think he will be after last night. Uh, was ranked number fourteen, so it's a big yeah. win for uh, you know yeah, for yeah. guy. Definitely, um, and like you know, I say, one thing I liked about him is the fact that he adjusted himself on the job. Um, he took some two really big leg kicks, and um, he adjusted so quickly, um, not just offensively but counter offensively. Um, 
and that impressed me. The fact, the fact that uh, he changed up his game from the get-go. And I very much like those type of takedowns. You don't see them like that. Um, which really, you know, to be honest, he we've probably got to display really good takedowns because of the lack of uh, wrestling capability, it seemed, from Tavassa. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what Sergei's got to offer against someone perhaps with a little bit more rounded game, see whether he could uh, carry on doing that type of takedown, that kind of ground dominance. Yeah, and I mean, well, like you say, what was impressive was that his adjustment didn't seem to come from his coaching staff yep. or his corner. It came from him. You know, yes, absolutely. His, his fight brain um, in the moment, straight mm-hmm. away, you know, within seconds, really, yeah. you know, with having those leg kicks, he had yeah. adjusted what he needed to do. Um, sure. And like, like you say, both defensively and from the counter-attacking point of view as well. Yes. Um, just quickly, to finish off on this fight, um, I'm just keen for people who are maybe particularly some of my listeners who listen to the other podcasts who are checking this out, maybe a sort of casual MMA fans. You mentioned that uh, Spivak was going for the scarf choke. Um, yes. What's the, like, what's the differences between a, like a scarf choke and something like a, like an arm triangle choke? Okay. Well, okay. Arm triangle chokes and triangle chokes and things like that are predominantly um, all to do with the neck, uh, either restricting the airway or the blood flow. Um, but when you get a scarf on one, it's um, they, they pull up and put their weight down on your chest. So it makes you not be able to open up the, the, your, your lungs, if you will. Okay. It sort of really compresses you. When you get someone who can do it well, it's uh, really not a comfortable experience. Um, yeah. So, you know, if you get someone who knows how to put their weight well across your chest as they pull up on your head, it's kind of just uh, suffocating in a whole different way. It's almost like someone's putting a bag over your head as well as trying to choke you, sort of thing. <laughs> it's uh, you, you, not flirting. Yeah, you could sort of breathe in a little bit, but it's like you've got this really heavy weight on your chest as well. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, cool. yeah it's, a, it's a nice move if you know how to pull it off. Like, not many people can hold that scarf of control as well as he did, did, you know. But he did lose control a few times. You know, it's not a position that um, is considered the most dominant in terms of control. Yes, it has its submission opportunities there. Uh, but regards to that scarf hold choke, yeah. Um, you if, if you're running out of energy, uh, you're going to be in trouble if they start putting up that, that kind of finish on you. Yeah, you don't. I mean, you don't see a great deal of fighters go for it, really. It's not, um, you know, you'll see like arm triangle chokes regularly. Yeah. But yes. um, it's, not a, it's not a move that you'll see, you know, on every UFC event or every event. Yeah. Yeah, partly because of the, you know, like I said about the control aspect, you know, mm. you, you literally have just got the head and the arm and the consequence of holding that position wrong can potentially be your back being taken. Yeah. Um, you might have heard um, the cornerman, um, I heard them call for it several times to try and step over his leg to try, try to expose him and either come up atop or come to his back. Um, okay. But he, he wasn't responding to that. Um, you know, he just didn't have the know-how how to get out of those holds. No, uh, he kind he of muscled not. his way out a little bit. Um, but you know, overall, I, I'm impressed with that that performance. Um, I, I would like to see whether he can perform that kind of ground skill and those kind of takedowns on someone with a little better wrestling, a little bit of better grappling, um, and see what he's got to offer then. I hope they look after him. I hope they give him a, a realistic fight and not throw him to the dogs straight away. I'd like to see him um, build up his confidence in UFC. Yeah, it'd be nice to see him perhaps, you know, get another another ranked fighter, but, you know, yeah. don't have need to go and chuck him like number two or number three in the world just to give him, yeah. I think, 
uh, Chiavasso was number 14. You know, yes. give him num- number 12 or number 13. Give him, That's right. give him a realistic fight, which is going to yeah. be test his skills rather than, like you say, chuck him to the wolves. Yeah. Um, so next up was uh, one of my favorite current fighters to watch, uh, which is Dan Hooker. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Ally Quinto versus Dal, uh, Dan Hooker. So um, yeah. on paper, particularly, again, I'll go back to the for casual fans. They would have looked at it and they would have seen Ally Quinta, number six in the world. Dan Hooker, yeah. number 15 in the world. Ally yeah. Quinta um, beat Kevin Lee comfortably. That's right. He, beat, yes. uh, he, he did very well against uh, Khabib. Yes, and, I mean, he took that short notice, didn't he, that Khabib yeah, match? and he did exceptionally um, well. He did do better well. than a lot of people have done. Uh, yeah. So people would have thought, looked at that perhaps on paper and they would have thought, oh, you know, Alad Quinter should take this. But mm-hmm. uh, Dan Hooker is the real deal. Oh, absolutely. And uh, he was a big guy at that weight as well. Um, you know, can you believe this guy actually fought featherweight, I believe? You know, uh, didn't he fight featherweight back along? I think he um, did, yeah. Yeah. So I read I mean, that earlier, actually, yeah. He's a big dude. Um, and, you know, we're seeing these calf kicks. You know, being part of the equation that led to Quinter's demise in the end, uh, and and lack of adjustment, absolute lack of adjustment. Um, I would have been calling for for some some kind of takedown um, after seeing that his leg was in trouble. Um, I think his cornerman did even ask for that, but there, there was not enough takedown attempt, um, and he was getting broken up bit by bit. I mean, his face was kind of getting messy, wasn't it, as the rounds progressed yeah, as well? But was, yeah. that first round was horrible for him, really horrible for him. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you, actually. Go on. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say quickly, before we go into the some of the, the moments from the rounds, um, yeah. you just mentioned in the previous fight as well about the, the corner speaking to the fighters. How difficult yeah. is it for the fighters to hear what the corner is saying in the fights when it's in well, a big... You know, a big event like that where the crowd's quite yeah. loud and there's TV and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the, the the fighters can hear. I mean, I used to listen to my corner a, a, a lot. Um, you know, wh- whenever I give um, one of my fighters a little prep up on how I do the corner or how I, I intend to do the cornering for them on that particular bout, I always say to them, "I'm only ever going to suggest ideas, but I'm not in there. I'm not feeling it." Um, you don't have to do as I say, you know, you, you've got to feel it. It's a little bit like going down for that snooker shot. You know, you draw back your cue several times and, it, you know, you deliver the strike on that ball when it just feels right. So sometimes you just feed an idea. Um, so, yeah, the, the fighters certainly can hear. Um, okay. But not so all the I time. have always wondered that. Yeah, not all the time. All. Either the fighter can't do it because he physically feels that he can't or mentally phys- uh, perhaps feel that he can't. Um, yeah. Um, so is that a common thing where you said, like, you, you, to your fighters, you say it more of a suggestion? Is that yeah. what most corners, do you think, do? They sort of use it as a suggestion rather than do this, do that? I think everyone does it different initially. I mean, that's just my take on it, that, you know, I suggest an idea. Um, you know, um, I think sometimes you get a cornerman almost like puppet masters. You know, they want it done their way, no other way, and they yeah. perhaps they'll develop their fighter to to literally do it nigh on every instruction that they say from the corner. I don't think that's a recipe for success. Um, I think ultimately you should be educating your fighter to be able to ride himself on his own in there if need be. Um, and like I say, you're just that added little voice. You're seeing things from a different perspective when you're outside the fight. Sometimes when you're in it, you perhaps 
you know, feel like, oh, that was a close round. Maybe I think I won that. And the corner and say, hey, you know what? No, you didn't. You, there wasn't enough work rate. You know, sometimes I think I fell foul of losing my first rounds because of lack of work rate. And sometimes it took my cornerman to say, hey, you know what, Dan, you know, not bad round, but you weren't really in that round. You know, much more work rate now. You definitely got to have a corner cornerman that's going to be real with you uh, yeah. and not be a yes man with you. Yeah, I suppose that's uh, the last thing you want is you need to know what's yeah. going on to you from their point of view. Um, yeah. So the, the round begins with the fighters swinging straight away at each other. Yeah. Okay, start attacking uh, Iaquinta with those leg kicks straight away. Yes. Being common yeah. through all the fights. Uh, Iaquinta nails a swinging hooker with a like a counter left. That's uh, right. And then he nails hooker again with a, a right. Um, and at that point, I was like, oh, okay, Iaquinta, you know, he's, he's always game for a, you know, a, a striking battle. Uh, yeah. And then suddenly hooker just started landing some combinations. Yeah. Uh, he briefly dropped in with a leg kick. Then yeah. I, 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 Quinta looked for the takedown, which to yeah, me was an indication that the leg kick hurt because yeah, he definitely. went straight to the takedown. And yeah. I just thought, yeah, he's hurt him there because yeah, it wasn't a yeah. natural. He picked up, he picked up the leg low, didn't he? He picked mm. up the leg low and kind of went into a single leg, but he went in with his head to the outside. Uh, and the issue you're going to have against someone who's a, got a lot more height than you is the fact that they can block your head and, and reach around you, which is, is what happened. I mean, he ended up having his back taken with the body triangle. And, you know, perhaps a little bit, bit of lack of know-how on the ground. You know, he had his body triangle with his, I'll call it the knot where the legs are tied, was facing up. You know, he should have had that going down to try to stand a better chance of getting out of position. He didn't make the correct adjustments on the ground. So, you know, uh, yeah, there, there, there was uh, mistakes plenty. Um, and, 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 you know, it, it, it started to, to show up again in going against him round after round. Yeah. Cause he, um, when he got hit with the leg kick, which sort of briefly dropped him, he went for that takedown and straight away hooker was able to nail him with a ton of elbow strikes. That's right. Um, yeah. and then he went into the, the, the body, body lock. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. yeah the body um, triangle. On him. And then um, Hooker winds up getting full mount on Iaquinta, and you're thinking yep. this could be over. Quickly. Yeah, he had back I mean, control. It, it was not the kind of first round you want. Um, no, you know, he was both hurt and, and lost the bat round badly. Um, so he had to make major tactical and strategical changes for round two, and and they just didn't come. You know? No, he he was hurt um, and carried on getting hurt. He started getting banged up in the face. Uh, yeah, it was it was it's painful to watch because you know I, I really like his style. I would like to have seen him have a little bit more success. It, it, it looks all too easy for Dan Hooker, but you know that's not to his opponent's detriment. You know they're both very very good fighters, but Dan Hooker is on the way up. I think he could be um, a proper contender soon. Yeah, he looks real real strong in yes, several aspects of his fighting. Um, yeah. Just before the end of round one, uh, Hooker dropped him again with a, another leg kick. Um, yeah. And then it, uh, as we go into round two, Hooker starts out peppering uh, Iaquinta with jabs. And yeah. Iaquinta's getting a bit busted open and he's looking a bit... He looked... I, I don't know if shocked is the right word, but he didn't look comfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, he was yeah. still coming he, forward. 
which is what yeah. he does. You know, he does every fight. He keeps coming. Yeah, in, yeah. But... Oh, me, this guy's tough. He's a fighter, uh, without a doubt. But, um, you know, fighters feel pain. And um, it was really interfering with the way he could come forward. He was clearly having issues. Um, and it was almost like he was just hoping to, to slug it out and catch him with something. And hoping to catch him with something was just not happening. You know, he had a big problem with the physicality difference in, in height and reach. Uh, he was struggling with compromised footwork and footwork ability with that injured leg. Just made it even more of a harder situation to use those hands to try and do damage and maybe even come in for that shoot. It was a difficult conquest for him after that first round. Yes, and uh, Iaquinta started the second round coming forwards and he had some swings at hooker. And then... Yeah. Uh, as he charged in towards uh, Hooker, he dropped in with a leg kick again. Yes, he did. And he just, it did look like he was struggling a bit. He'd, Ala, Ala, yeah. Ayala Quinta sort of backed up with a couple of rights, kept coming. Yeah. But Hooker was, I, th- I felt like by the middle of the second round, or even like early second round, yeah. Hooker looked comfortable and confident. Yeah, I'll tell you when he, the confidence really become a difficulty for Quinta was when he shot in for the legs and he didn't bring his feet under him. So, you know, if you think about lifting up anything regards uh, any kind of weight, you want to get your feet and your hips underneath and, and, and you lift with a straight back. He was actually diving forwards. Um, he couldn't bring his feet in under him. Um, that that leg was so compromised at that point. Um, and he, he goes down on all fours on several occasions. Um, and that's when you know an athlete's really in trouble. Um, it was just a, a deficit step too far for him with that leg. Yeah, so I mean, when he's uh, when he's going for that takedown and he's not in the correct position, is yeah. that like uh, a desperation thing from a point of view where he's hurt? You know, he's been hit in the face a few times. He's right. got damage to the leg, or is it more of a a fatigue and and damage yeah. and a sort this of combination was, yeah. of it all? This was not. A uh, fatigue issue. He, he wasn't tired. He was just hurt. His um, leg was giving him so much trouble. He 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 couldn't keep his feet underneath him on the shoot. His leg just wasn't responding. Um, you know, I, I've had some nasty leg kicks over the years that, that go low on the shin, and um, <laughs> the workings of your footwork just are not there. Your brain just can't make you do what you want to do. Um, so he was trying to modify it by by diving into the legs, but. Yeah, you're not going to take a UFC caliber fighter down by diving at his legs like that. You have to bring your feet in with you. But that's all he had left to do. So it just goes to show that he still wanted to find a way to win. Um, his body just wasn't <laughs> like doing I say, what he that, wanted. That deficit to the leg was just a step too far for him. It really was. And I didn't like how he kept going to that single with his head on the outside. Um, I saw it numerous times. If he went up on the inside, it would have given him options to, to um, you know, attach himself to the second left or go to, for crutch lifts. He would have had a longer duration of control. But he went with that single with his leg on the outside. And, yeah, against someone with that long body composition, that can get you in trouble. Indeed, it did for him several times. Yeah, I guess... Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but by going on the outside, he opens himself up more for strikes and for everything. Just yeah, just more damage. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in like training and coaching, would they always coach it to go the other way? Or yeah, I mean, depend? initially, 
if you're going to go on a single leg with crutch or a single, you know, you have your head on the inside and then you can you know, run it down to the outside as you uh, as you start trying to smash down on that single leg and, and you run the pipe, so to speak. Um, you know, so it's OK to run your head to the outside when you are already compromising their base and balance. But to shoot in with your head on the outside before that, you kind of get your head stuffed. Um, and, and like what was happening with uh, Aquinta, he, you know, he was getting that longer body frame. He was reaching around and, and going round to his back and grabbing at his ankles. Um, yeah, it was you know, perhaps not the best choice of takedown for him. No, and then just towards the end of the uh, the second round, uh, Hugger sort of pounced on it and uh, Iaquinta, as he was down, he hit him with some strikes. Iaquinta... Uh, just tried to roll him up for an ankle lock as the round ended. Yeah, he went for a thing called deep half guard to attack his base and balance. And, and this is, you know, this was his really, it is one and only big chance. He went all out for that heel hook. Um, it was actually a, quite a nice setup um, that he did. And, and at least it goes to show that he, you know, he was trying everything within his arsenal to get the win. And that, that was about the only fleeting chance that I saw that he could ha- have it, trying to put this fight away. But did you see Dan Hooker's express him when he had the, He knew he weren't in trouble in the big no. scheme. He, he'd obviously training with guys that have got leg lock games. He's probably been put in that situation many, many times in training and um, clearly was not perturbed by it. But, you know, still respect for Aquinta for trying to set it up and prep it up. It you know, took some skill to prep, you know, considering what kind of situation he was in at that time. Yeah, and the damage he'd taken as well, you know, is, yep. takes a lot to be able to do that. Obviously, you know, he knew he was he was losing the fight comfortably. So he, yep. like you say, he was reaching into you know all all aspects of his uh, of his arsenal. The third yep. round um, began with Hooker coming forward. He took a few swings at uh, Iaquinta. Hooker goes yep. back to attacking Iaquinta with those leg kicks again. Uh, yep. Hooker goes for a high kick. Iaquinta blocked it. Iaquinta charged at Hooker while swinging at him, uh, and yep. Hooker nailed him with a like a swinging elbow strike. Uh, yeah, again, quite a nice elbow strike, which yep. didn't rock him, but just you could see a just for that split second that it hurt. As, as yeah, a, you know, yeah. He, he, st- he started mixing up his strikes, which goes yeah. to show he was feeling really comfortable in there. He started thinking out of the normal box and started to bring other things into the equation. I mean, that's a sign of feeling comfortable right there. Yeah, and even as you know, as the fight uh, was coming to an end, Iaquinta was still hunting those takedowns. Um, Iaquinta yeah. was coming forward. He cracks Hooker with like a short right and then a swing in. He hits mm-hmm. a swing in Hooker with a, a left and they finished the round swinging away at each other, but yeah, you know, I felt like I was I was a little bit disappointed with Ally Aquinta from a performance point of view. Yeah, but you can't fault his his balls and his heart. It's just a oh, you know, yeah, he's proper uh, proper fighter, isn't he? Sure, sure. Um, you know, UFC uh, do really bring the, the toughest of humanity into the octagon. They really do, and he's a, a great example of that. Um, you know, in terms of his courageousness and, and and will to stay in there and try and win, you, you can't knock him for that. You know, he, he made made it still look like a fight. You know, he, he was in it. He tried to hunt for that heel hook. He still wanted to find a way to win. But um, there was times when I was, you know, screwing up my face at what he must have been going through. He started looking really bloodied up. 
he was limping, he was having to fight Southpaw, which you know I'm sure he could still do to a reasonable level. But yeah, it, it was a, obviously a very much a secondary game to what he would have liked to have played. Um, he would have liked to have been in his normal stance, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I just don't know what, what what's next for him. It'd be interesting to see who they perhaps give him next. Yeah, it's, um, Dan Hooker, you know, it's a massive win for him to beat number six it in is, the world yeah. by unanimous decision. Uh, it's 30-27, yeah. 30-27, 30-26. And I think that, yeah. you know, that's a About fair, right. fair, <laughs> yeah. uh, fair score. The, um, sure. you know, Hooker's ranked 15 before this fight. I'd imagine yeah. he's probably going to get uh, a, a, a big fight in his next fight just because of how impressive yeah. he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, what I liked about um, Hooker, uh, other than winning, you know, so convincingly as he did, um, never did he try to rush the affair. You know, he didn't um, unnecessarily try and put him away, uh, which could have, you know, got his opponent to come back in on the fight if he had caught him with any punches. He kept it simple. He kept him at range. He just kept chipping away. Um, and I think that goes to show, you know, a seasoned fighter. Um, yeah, I, I want to see him step up a little bit and, and see what he's got against that high-caliber guy. I think he's going to be one to watch for sure. Absolutely. He was uh, it's a very yeah. professional uh, display, yes. I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the uh, the main event, UFC middleweight championship unification. Uh, yeah. Robert Whitaker, the yes. hometown, hometown guy, the middleweight yeah. champion versus Israel Adesanya, the UFC interim middleweight champion. And yeah. uh, oof, Adesanya is the uh, impressive. And he, I, mean, I really like Whitaker as well. He's where, one of my favorite guys to watch because yeah, he's, he's just a great, so powerful. A great fighter to watch. Um, absolutely. He's a, a super nice guy as well. Um, yeah, he's... Uh, a good character for the sport really is yeah both guys are actually i felt like um i feel feel like adesanya has come on the scene over the last year or two and um really uh it's like a new 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 face but he's got like a real personality in his when he's talking on the mic when he's fighting as well which obviously you know is the most important thing but he's so skillful so he is absolutely skillful yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, largely untested on the ground. I think this is the the thing we're all curious of. You know, who's yes. going to be able to put him on the ground? Um, John, that's the uh, the missing missing recipe for Robert's game against him. I, I wanted would have wanted to see Whitaker try to put him on the ground because um, he's a good wrestler. You know, he's uh, he's got a lot of wrestling background. Um, I would have liked to have seen him use that in the equation, but um, it didn't come unfortunately for him. No, Whitaker didn't quite get going, but I mean, I think a lot of that was because of how well Adesanya fought. Yeah. Um, so round one, uh, I should say, the crowd was so loud for the intros and the start of this, and yeah. obviously with Whitaker's, uh, you know, he's from that neck of the woods. Yeah, that's right. Uh, do so so loud. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the round begins, Whitaker charges, as he does, at Adesanya, and he throws a few lefts. Whitaker comes yeah. forward. He's swinging away at Adesanya. Adesanya's moving very quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. Whitaker briefly stuns him. He landed a nice short left. He did, um, yeah. And Adesanya 
just started attacking them with some jabs, just working the jab. Um, he nailed. Yeah. Uh, although Whitaker nailed him as he went, uh, as Adesanya went for the jab, he sort of nailed him yeah. with like a, it was like a kind of overhand right. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then he fought, tried to follow up with a high kick, which yeah. Adesanya was a bit too quick for, and he was out yeah. of the way. I actually uh, like Whitaker's uh, style and strategy for the first round. I really did. Um, you know, when you've got someone of uh, Adesanya's caliber, striking wise and range and reach, you know, he's got he's obviously a rangy guy too. Um, you have to come forward with a game that keeps them guessing, because uh, otherwise they they become precision monsters, uh, and everything they throw seems to land. So he certainly did the right thing. He was um, uh, Whitaker was doing step throughs, so you know he was throwing a right hand and stepping with it, and then throwing up a high left kick. So he was hitting ranges. He was going down at the legs, coming up high at the head with the kicks. Um, like I say, with those step through punches, so really getting uh, Adesanya stepping back and, and looking a little defensive at times and leaning. Um, so I really like that. Um, I just feel that after he got knocked down, because he got knocked down right, didn't, right at the end, didn't he, of that first yeah. round. And, and once he got knocked down, suddenly he'd become uh, less diverse in his uh, striking format. Yes, he was still doing the step through strikes, but Suddenly, you know, he wasn't hitting low with the leg kicks. He was still trying for the high one only. And I think he started getting a little bit too predictable. And if you get predictable against someone of striking caliber of a Dasanyo, you're, you're going to get found out and you're going to get picked apart. And that's what began to happen. You, you saw him whizzing past a couple of times and you knew it was a matter of time before one hits him sweet again. I thought the thing which uh, I think Adesanya reminds me of um, like a young John Jones in okay, uh, yes. just um just how rangy like he's quite leggy and he's quite you yeah. know that big reach but he's so mm-hmm. quick and powerful and yeah. also he can hit hit strikes from kind of anywhere yeah so yeah sometimes he didn't do it so much in this fight but like those um like kind of spinning elbows from where you're not quite expecting it and yeah yeah it just very much reminds me of um john jones's early fights um, yeah 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 so yeah, towards the end of the first round, Whitaker had started well, and like you say, yeah, he, you he, know, he had his had his game plan. Um, he landed yeah. a left, missed a high kick attempt, but he, you know, he went yeah. for that follow up high kick a couple of times mm-hmm. in the uh, in the first round, um, mm-hmm. and then Adesanya then just towards the end of the round started to throw some combinations of his own, um, yeah. and he dropped uh, Whitaker as Whitaker was swinging with a yeah. a counter strike to end the round. Sure, and I think that's where. Certainly, from what you just said, I feel like we both agree that that's where the the fight changed and yeah. swung. Yeah, and that's when I would have liked to have seen Whitaker come out with um, a different aspect to his combinations in terms of his striking. So what do I mean by that? I mean, with a takedown attempt, not in a way where he has to get the takedown, though, but to at least get Adesanya thinking that there might be a takedown in the equation uh, along with the combinations with his hands and that high kick. You know, occasionally come in with those step through with his hands and dropping levels on him, you know, press him up against the fence or at least threatening to. So he has to footwork even further back because what was happening was he began to sidestep Whitaker and then throw the counter kicks and counter hands. Um, but I had um, Whitaker maybe stuck a, a shoot attempt at the end of it. It might have made him think twice about countering why uh, Whitaker was in close like that. Yeah, yeah. because I suppose uh, in the first round, he... Um... He was doing that same sort of similar similar move where he was following the punch in with the high kick. So if he'd added yeah. in the takedown, like you say, 
Yeah. Adesanya wouldn't have been able to make the adjustment that he did in the round two, which was doing That's the right. sidestep and hitting the counter yeah. kick. So, and it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning. You know, get someone with that kind of range, precision and power, you have to keep them guessing. You have to make them, you know, uh, pause with that counter shot. If you're not making them pause with that counter shot, they're going to throw it almost knowing they're going to land it. And um, yeah, and, and that's what we ended up seeing. Uh, you can't take nothing away from that, Adesanya. He, you know, he, he stopped Whitaker, and I think Whitaker looked impressive overall. And um, and he does impress me as a as a martial arts athlete. But uh, that Adesanya, man, whoosh. Who are you going to put in against him next? That, that, wow. That's the thing. That is yeah. the thing. We'll uh, we'll have a little chat about that in a minute. But uh, yeah. We'll let uh, we'll let's have a little let's finish off this. So Adesanya, um, sorry, uh, Adesanya backs Whitaker up with a, kick, a big kick to the midsection. Adesanya yep. and uh, Whitaker they both exchange some jabs, and yep. uh, and then all of a sudden Adesanya rocks Whitaker with a, a counter right hook, and that was That's the one did, which yeah. I felt that really, uh, really that that hurt him. I felt um, yeah because as yeah. he hit the right hook. He then attacked Whitaker with a high kick and then followed it with a combination, all really quick yeah. and sn- yeah. really like snapped, snapped it back. Yeah, he's beginning to open up on him, mm-hmm. uh, and that goes to show you that he, he he knew he had Whitaker's game down. It, he was just waiting for his time. Yeah, it was uh, almost like... get... gone, gone. Sorry. Yeah, he, he he was just getting confident. You know, he began to express more of his game when he when he would be relaxed. It became more of a more of a heavy sparring session for him. He, his hands were getting lower. Um, he, he was just using, you know, lean backs to evade Whitaker's step forwards, that those were becoming more and more laboured. And, and, you know, he was not bringing nothing new, so he had already cottoned on to Whitaker's game plan. He was easily avoiding it and, and feeling confident to counter it. And indeed he did, you know, more and more and more throughout that second round. Yeah, Adesanya does, what he does very well is... Um is he assesses his opponents uh, yes. early on and he, yeah. he seems to work out their game plan within, mm-hmm. you know, within, within a minute or two. Um, yeah. And it's something that Conor McGregor used to do very well in his early fights in the UFC yeah. is he would, he would also size up his, he would almost size up his opponents yeah. in the first minute or two, work out what they were doing, make an adjustment, adjustment and yeah. And put them away. Know, do his, exactly. Yeah. And do his thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, Whitaker um, got nailed with that big counter right hook. Adesanya hit him with the kick in the combination. Whitaker yeah. keeps coming forward. Uh, he get he nails Adesanya with a big left hook, but yeah. um, he tries those high kicks again. But he just didn't seem to have the same, uh, yeah. same power behind them and the same uh, what's the word same uh, accuracy as they'd had in the first the first round they looked a lot more sharper in the first round yeah after he yeah. got hit with that combination and the hook he just didn't quite have that same yeah Adesanya was just leaning out of the way of them you know mm-hmm. he saw them coming I mean uh, you know if you're going to be strict about someone's uh, striking form you perhaps shouldn't be leaning back out of those shots but he's got the body length He's got the range yeah. to get away with doing those leads. In, in a way, it reminds me a little bit of uh, Anderson Silva. You know, yeah, he used to lean yeah. out the way of these shots. I mean, it got him caught out eventually. Hmm. Um, I, I just think Father Time caught up with uh, Anderson Silva eventually. Yeah. Um, As it does with all of us, I think. Yeah, yeah. But Anderson, what can you say? I mean, 
It's his striker. I mean, I, I don't know why Whitaker stood so long without as an attempt at clinching him. I would have liked to have seen how Adesanya would have dealt with someone trying to grapple him as well. Yeah, and I think that'll be the big test for him, I think, when it is when someone t- tries to take him down or yeah. just clinches him up to see yeah. how he can react to that. Because, you know, his, his striking is so precise and on point that if you give him that that opportunity to, to put you away, he will. Um, mm. After those attempted high kicks to Adesanya, uh, he responded by nailing Whitaker with a short right, and then he yeah. dropped it with a counter left hook, which was yes. brutal. Uh, yeah. And then during the stri- which was during the striking exchange, and then he yeah. pounced on him as he was down, and the referee jumped in. Yeah. Tail via strikes after three minutes and thirty three seconds of round two to yeah, become the undisputed yeah. UFC champion, middleweight yeah. champion. What's yeah, it was, I thought it was a good stoppage. Yeah, it was. Um, what, what is that now? Eighteen and oh, Is that what he's at now? Yeah, I think it's eight. Eight. Eighteen and oh, I think it is. That's getting pretty impressive. <laughs> Yeah, and he hasn't really looked in any trouble in any of his fights, have he? Not really. Uh, no, not really. Very, very um, yeah, like I, said, I really liked you know, Whitaker's style in the first round. I really liked that. I thought, oh, okay, you know, he's got something that's pressing him back. But just list, missed that added ingredient. You know, he didn't take away from the fight. You know, he, he made it too much of a kickboxing match, which is going to go against you against Adesanya. You, you have to put in the MMA factor in it, and, and that would have been clinching up, trying to trying to wrestle him up against that fence, trying to make it a little bit messy, try and take the sting out of his tail, so to speak. Um, but hey, you know, I'm sure. I think in the future, you know, we're going to see these two perhaps get it on again, and maybe we do see a different strategy come into place. Yeah, and I think like we've discussed in pretty much all the fights is. Mm you've got to be able to make those adjustments during the fight. Yeah. And Whitaker made a really good, strong start. He had a good game yeah. plan, and then he didn't adjust, or he didn't progress that plan in the second mm-hmm. round, and it played yeah, right plan, into Adesanya's plan, hands. Yeah, the plan was getting less and less effective as time went on, uh, but he kept doing it. You know, It's like you know, trying to knock a door down. You know, It hurts your shoulder, so you try the other shoulder, and you hurt that. You know, at what point, you, you, you know, to bring something into the equation, try and knock that door down. You know, he kept on going into him. He was getting hurt, getting hurt more, getting less effective. He had to bring something else to the table, and he didn't do that this time around. Indeed. So, um, like, what is next for Israel Adesanya? Well, Undisputed think, champ. Yeah. Um, well, there's a, another unbeaten fighter, isn't it, in that Paulo Costa? Yeah, I think he's this is a match I would well. really want to see. Um, you know, he's big. Uh, I, I think he might even be bigger than uh, Adesanya. Um, I would like to see. I like to see him get it on with him. That would yeah, excite that fight. That would be, that'd be a yeah. very, very exciting fight. I think yeah. um, I was looking at the 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 list. Um, and there's no one else really which I look at and I think, oh, that could be quite an interesting fight. You know, there's a couple of guys who would be yeah. a decent enough fight, but yeah. I think that's the one, isn't it? That's the yeah. And and to be fair, Paulo Costa probably deserves a title shot, regardless of whether it was Whitaker or Adesanya. Um, yeah. He probably is due a title shot. However, so. interestingly enough, 
uh, Israel Adesanya this week before, prior to the fight was uh, going back and forth with John Jones, uh, okay. which was quite interesting. Um, obviously, you're not on Twitter, are you? But uh, on social not. media, <laughs> they were going back and forth. Um, okay. And that that's a fight I would like to see. I'm not sure what weight they what would weight? do that. Yeah, I've got to say, what weight would they do that at? Um, but yeah, I mean, of course, that would be a great, a great uh, fight to put up. But uh, what's the I difference in middleweight and light heavyweight in terms of? Yeah, well, uh, light heavyweight's two hundred five, isn't it? And yeah, uh, middle's one eight five. So yeah, <laughs> it's quite it's a bit. It's quite of a big difference, isn't it? I can't see John Jones coming down to that weight. So no. I'd imagine it would only ever be uh, Adesanya going up to it. Um, that would certainly be interesting. Yeah, I would, I would want to see it if that could happen. I think it's really, fight. really interesting when you've got two people dominating in their prospective weights and they're willing to meet. I mean, would they meet in the middle at a catch weight? I think that would be the fairest scenario. Um, but I don't know whether USC will allow something like that to happen. Yeah, I think um, I think over the last few years, UFC of Dana White has shown that if you know, if there's money to be made, he's happy yeah. to make fights. Yeah, and sometimes well, he did it. He did it with Diaz and Connor, didn't he? Yeah, and um, he, you know, he's 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 happy to make fights if it'll make the company and money and it'll sell pay per views. So I think they would do it. I just think that before that happens, you're probably going to get Israel uh, versus Paulo Costa. You're probably going to yeah. get. Uh, John Jones, I don't know if he's going to end up fighting Cormier. I think they're going to do Stipe Cormier again first. Yeah. And then it'll yeah. be decision time whether John Jones is going to fight Stipe. Uh, Stipe yeah, I mean, I, uh, I'd, Cormier, I'd like to, yeah, heavyweight. Or... I liked watching uh, Jones when he fought uh, Thiago Santos. Uh, you remember that fight? Yeah. But, you know, he, uh, Santos had, had trouble with his knee, didn't he, very early on? Yeah. But he looked like he could. You know, be a threat to Jones. He um, did, yeah. But obviously, has to get get himself back to health. I think. Uh, I think that I'd like to see that again. Although it's been something that's happened previous. Um, I think there was there, there was obviously issues with the knees, which stopped him being a, a, as effective. But he looked like he could have perhaps been a little dangerous for him. I um I wonder whether John Jones will want that fight though now. Because I think yeah. he'll look at I it mean, and he'll know that Thiago Santos can be a danger to him. Yeah. And then he'll look at the potential fights with someone like Cormier at heavyweight or light heavyweight. That's yeah. the one he probably wants. Or even a fight yeah. with Israel uh, Adesanya. You know, that's a huge sure. fight. Um, yeah, yeah. And I wonder whether Thiago Santos will kind of take a bit of a, a back seat in terms of what John Jones wants to do. But, yeah, um, and John Jones is probably in the driving seat regards who he yeah. decides to have. Um, yes. I, I think uh, the other options are more money spinners for him uh, and safer bets for him. So <laughs> it's a bit of a no-brainer if he, if he is going to pick either of the other two options. But um, you know, on a personal note, and, and you know, maybe for a lot of the viewers who are watching, you know, Tiago Santos is someone that people want to see him fight again because he actually looked like he could show up a few vulnerabilities in Jones. Yeah, I thought uh, the last couple of fights, Jones hasn't looked himself. Uh, he hasn't yeah. looked that unbeatable. Like the last time he looked truly at his best, I felt, was the Cormier fight, which he obviously yeah. ended up 
having the issues afterwards. But the yeah. actual fight, I mean, you know, he was dominant. He, yeah, he knocked was. him out with the uh, with the head kick. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, let's be fair, not many people have done that to Daniel Cormier um, over the years. Yeah. Obviously, there was the issue <laughs> with the, the, the drug test and stuff afterwards. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. And I do think that John Jones probably wants that fight more than anything so mm. he, he can prove once and for all. I mean, I personally, I think that he's proven it, that, you know, yeah. he's got Cormier's number. He's beaten him twice. He, yeah. Me too. I, just, uh, I don't I just... feel the need to see it again unless it's going to be a heavyweight to give Cormier a kind a of edge. Mm. But then Cormier hasn't got the heavyweight belt now, which mm. means what John Jones, I don't think, has got the same. Like when Cormier had the heavyweight belt, mm. I think that could have been a motivation for John Jones to yeah, have the, right. the two weight division. But now that he hasn't, I feel like he's probably not that interested in going to heavyweight to fight him. Mm. But, you know, who knows? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I think you know, we've seen the best of DC. You know, he's not a young man anymore, is he? No, I think he's um, going to be Definitely a, a fantastic fighter. Really enjoy watching him. And, um, you know, he's still got something to offer the sport. Don't get me wrong, I'm not writing him off completely. But, you know, I've seen that fight twice now. And do I really want to see it a third time? I'm not sure convinced I do. No. So, yeah, but it's not no, that. I'm the same, yeah. <laughs> I think he. Um, I think he'll have his rematch with Stipe, and I think if yeah. he doesn't win, I think he'll retire. Uh, that's yeah. just my opinion. Um, yeah, yeah. We can't have an MMA show without speaking of uh, Conor McGregor. So uh, yes, I saw that uh, Khabib's father today. Actually, it was about an hour or so before the show. I saw it. Uh, he said that if if Conor wants a rematch with Khabib, he has to come to Russia. And I mean, oh. Conor said for the last couple of months that. He wants to go to Russia and face Khabib. Right. You know, I find it interesting, but I also think that one of the mistakes that Conor made with the Khabib fight was not having a tune-up fight, if you like. Exactly. Some exactly. sort of fight before it. And yeah. I think if he makes that same mistake again, yeah. not having a fight before he yeah. goes and fights Khabib, it's just a mistake. I, I don't know who manages Conor's fights and you know, on his behalf or whether he just does it himself. But, you know, he hasn't won now for quite a few years. He hasn't won, won, won a fight. And uh, no. he's only fought once in MMA since 2016. Um, you know, Long we're getting time. to the latter part of 2019 now. It's, it's not frequent enough to stay and keep all your tools sharp in terms of MMA. There's a lot of areas you have to keep on top of uh, an MMA bout. Um, you know, I, I, I would like to see him face someone else who's you know, I had some losses that, that would still be a good fight to watch. Personally, I would like to see him fight someone like Kevin Lee. Um, or Cerrone. Yeah, or Cerrone. But Cerrone's fought so much, hasn't he? Um, yeah. He's yeah, just fought yeah. so much. I, I just think, you know, Kevin Lee has got to try to re-establish himself. And really, Conor McGregor's got to kind of re-establish himself. Um, they can both beat each other on any given day, I'm sure. Um, but I think this will this will be a fair fight on both parties and something that I think would create a little bit of excitement to watch. Um, and it'd be a great platform for either of them if they got the victory over each other to put them back up into the running again and to be taken seriously again. Um, yeah. Just you know I think that they won't make that fight. I think I agree with you. I think they should. And I think yeah. Connor has to have some sort of fight before he face Khabib yeah. for his own sake, even if you take out the, 
the the thing of like he got beaten soundly, so yeah. he should earn it. Just from his own point of view, I felt like yeah. that was one of the major mistakes. I felt he made a few major mistakes, but yeah. in the run up, that was the main mistake he made was not having some sort of tune up or just a fight before he faced Khabib because Khabib, yeah. you know, he's another level. Um, yes. And I feel like it'll be the same mistake again if he does yeah. that. Um, but yeah. though, sorry, the reason I don't think they'll make that is because they don't want Connor to lose. Yeah. Because that takes the the money and the out of, everything everything. Out of the yeah. Khabib fight. I mean, they, they, yeah, I would like to see Connor McGregor be built up again. Yeah. He's certainly young enough for them to do that. There's a big enough pool of fighters for him to go up against that he sounds a good chance of, of, of winning. And you can't write him off against any fighter with that kind of. Uh, KO rate that he has, um, but yeah, I would like to see him fight someone else who's had, you know, some losses, um, just to put himself back up in the mix. And I think he becomes, you know, a lot more credible and a lot more dangerous um, with the confidence of a win. And I think he'd be more convincing too. I think if you're going to do a lot of trash talking, which you've come to expect from Connor, it would come with a little bit more oomph behind it. Uh, have he got a win behind him, you know? To, to follow oh, yeah. it up. If he could go into that Khabib fight, uh, having soundly beaten a Kevin Lee, yeah, or he, you know, or a Cerrone or someone who's got a name, yeah, and he can go in and say, you know, he knocked him out in a minute, or whatever, yeah. Suddenly his uh, his promos and his mic work have got a lot more weight behind them. Yeah, which is Whereas what he if he goes with... in now, it's kind of like, yeah, he can't really talk the talk because he got mauled and. Sadly yeah. beaten by Khabib. Yeah, but Kevin Lee, so he, he, he'll trade some shots with Connor. There's no two ways about that. But, you know, Kevin Lee will also try and press him up against the defence. Um, and so if Connor can withstand that and put a good, you know, showcase up for his anti-wrestling and, and put him away, um, then I think you start building up that story again that, yeah. that could make an interesting bout between, you know, him and Khabib. And, yeah, and i, I got to say, if there was one fighter in the world of MMA, who mm. could go to Russia and fight Khabib and, you know, whether he wins or... I, if someone, if anyone in the world was going to do it in Russia, it would be Conor McGregor, I have to say. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, similar to how I thought if there was one MMA fighter who was going to go into boxing and give Floyd Mayweather a bit of a, mm. you know, even just a decent fight, it was going to be him because he yeah. just seems to have that... Um, I don't know what I don't know what I just don't know what it is. It's like a swagger or a star power or just yeah, he's, special. His confidence can convince his opponents that they, that he's going to win. Yeah. I think sometimes he's had people beat before he's even stepped in the cage. Um, oh, what was the uh, forgetting his name? He's gone drawn a blank. The one he beat in like five seconds or ten seconds. Yeah. Um, oh, what's his name? Oh, that's good. Uh, Aldo. Legend. Yeah, Aldo. Yeah. He um, he just even in the in the in the whole build up to that fight, Aldo just looked off. He looked yeah. unsettled and he looked just didn't look for the whole you know for the whole years previous mm. to that. He'd looked mm. like a stone cold killer. He yeah. looked just ice cold in all his promos, in all his you know yeah. face offs and weigh ins and everything. And then mm. suddenly Connor just got under his skin. Absolutely, he, just, he did. Just couldn't. And the, the, the funny thing, I mean, I don't know if you, you remember any of the details beforehand, but Connor even predicted the combination that led to his demise. He goes, he'll come out, he'll overstretch, 
you know, throw the left hook straight across. You know, he, he predicted it as well. <laughs> so he knew what he was going for. Yeah, almost seemingly so. I mean, and another one he yeah. got into the skin of was um, Eddie Alvarez as well. I felt absolutely like he did. Yeah, really yeah. got to him. Yeah, he did. And um, and, and even when I was thinking, cool, you know, Eddie's another step yeah. up. You know, this. But yeah, he made short work of him. You can never ever write off Conor McGregor because of what he has achieved previously. But that said, you know, he, he you know he hasn't won a fight in in quite a number of years now. Let's get him back on winning ways, or at least potentially by facing someone like Kevin Lee. No, I'm not saying Kevin Lee would lose against him because Kevin Lee's got all the attributes to beat anyone on any given day. But you know, he's had his losses. McGregor's has his losses. Let's get them matched up. Personally. I think that'd still be a good fight to watch, and it would put either of them, whoever would come out victorious, back up there in a the mix uh, for real contention with the people in the top five. Yeah, I agree. I think um, the one thing with Kevin Lee is um, he reminds me of the French rugby team in that you never know what Kevin Lee is going to turn up on one day. So one yeah. day he could turn up and he could look like a world-class fighter who could beat anyone. And then mm. on another day, he looks a bit sluggish, and I don't, I don't want yeah. to use the word lazy, but like, like yeah. kind of not I motivated. Think, I think he's a big weight cutter, isn't he? He's another one that mm. cuts a lot of weight. Uh, whether it could be down to that or not, I don't know. But what, one thing that I feel that I notice with Kevin Lee is, is that he, you know, his cardio is not always the best. Yeah. Um, now, whether that really is the fact that it's his cardio that's an issue, or whether it's the amount of energy he puts in too early. That becomes an issue. I mean, you you get a marathon runner to you know to to run the first five miles doing under four minute miles. You know, he's not going to win the marathon race in the long run. So whether he's just going off at too much of a fast sprint in in matches, and then uh, his pace seems to drop off quite quickly. Um, yeah, so I don't know. You know, and 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 Connor almost suffers the same thing, doesn't yeah. he? Doesn't yeah, he doesn't always yeah. seem to. But he's a really explosive guy, also. So another reason why I think it'd be a really interesting matchup, in um, in that they both seem to have that seemingly weakness in uh, in their game. Yeah, it'd be it'd be certainly be an interesting fight, particularly the first yeah. uh, three or four minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's okay. gonna be big fireworks, I'm sure. Okay, so just uh, to finish off the first episode of the Danny Button Show, we'll uh, do some questions. Okay, the first question we had was, uh, how can MMA companies or athletic commissions ensure weight cutting is safer? Uh, right. Because it feels like we're having, uh, we're waiting, sorry, to have a high-profile tragedy linked to weight cutting, as we've seen in some other sports around the world. Yeah, I mean, this is always going to be a bit of a problem as long as there's weight cutting in the game. Unless you're going to do on-the-day weigh-ins, which I'm sure will come with its controversies as well. Um, I think probably it, it's to do several uh, weigh-ins uh, and assessments of their health leading up to the weighing. Um, how best to go about that, only the specialists will know. Um, yeah, um, so per perhaps that way, you know, to know that they're coming down. But I think they do something along those lines now anyway, don't they? And, you know, not allowing them to cut so much and then gain so much straight after. Uh, they're probably doing the best they can to limit it um, already as it is. So 
just to, again, I go back to like the casual fan or the people who are not so familiar with perhaps what the weight cut in entails. Why yeah. is it or why can it be so dangerous for fighters to cut weight? Well, you're, you're simply taking water out of your body and uh, we're predominantly made of water. Um, and some people are pushing this to, to such a level that um, it, it can cause health, health issues or even death. Um, some people are just pushing that boundary a step too far. Uh, you know, I, I've been on the receiving end of not feeling very well from, from weight cutting in the wrong way. Back, back in my time, it was not so well known about how to weight cut in the proper way. Um, but you know, now people are a lot better educated, but nevertheless, people still want to be the bigger fighter. Um, I think that's becoming less important now more than ever, but you know, that's only been in sort of like recent years, but for some reason fighters want to be that bigger fighter and, and, and put their, their confidence in on being that bigger fighter and willing to do it at any consequence. Uh, yeah. So m maybe doing periodic weigh-ins leading up to the the actual day of the weight cut would protect the fighters but this is really down to specialists you know um you, you know i'm not involved in the medical industry to, to know enough about the body to, to know the best way forward with that but all i can tell you is you know weight cutting for some athletes who choose to do it to the extreme it ain't healthy for them um and could potentially be uh be fatal as it's proven in the past with some people yeah i think um some uh muay thai fighter died i think last year that's right yeah, there's, yeah uh, that. there's been a couple of you know there's obviously there's like the famous videos with like uh, cyborg and some other wrestler yeah. uh, some other fighters who've you know been weight cut in and they've they've been filmed during the the worst sort of parts of it yeah um in terms of like why fighters do it is it literally just to try and get an edge uh well initially yeah i mean power or... I, yeah i mean you want you, you want to be the, the the bigger guy i mean if you've got a bit of weight advantage it's considered to be going in your favor especially if you're so well matched in any other every other area um it's just part of the equation uh that can lead to a potential win it's part of it um but, you know, perhaps the more interesting side of that weight cut, yes, you could go in as a bigger man, but if you push it a little bit too far, uh, you, you're going to have a deficit to your cardio or maybe be knocked out a little easier because obviously your brain takes more than 24 hours to hydrate. You are a little bit open to being affected by those, you know, glazing shots that, you know, some people are like, oh, how did that knock him out? But when you're dehydrated, you get knocked out a whole lot easier than you would if you had a hydrated brain. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's a, it's a playoff. It's just it's just part of the mix. I can't see it going away anytime soon. No, mm. I suppose it's the same as any other professional sport at the highest level. Is these athletes professionals? They're looking for any advantage that they can get. Yeah, within you know the laws or the rules of that sport. Yeah, whether it's football, boxing, yeah, you know, athletics, it's anything professional. Mm. Even, you know, things like cricket, everything. Professional athletes at the highest level will look at every aspect of their sport. Yeah. Whether it's behind the scenes from their nutrition and things like this, or the, the supplements they take, or the training they do, or the balls they use, whatever it may be, they will look for 
every advantage that they can get. Yeah. Um, and I guess with weight cutting, it's a case of weighing up the the advantages or the disadvantages and deciding whether that's what they want to do. But yeah, yeah, I just think from a from a from a fan point of view and people watching it like us and like you, you know, obviously you're involved with with yeah. uh, training fighters and stuff. It's just making sure that these fighters can do it as safely as possible. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the only thing I can say is on my side of things, from what I witnessed from it in my training camp, um, my guys have latched onto uh, someone that does it on a scientific level, plans out their diet, how much water they need to take on, um, when to stop taking on that water. So when they do their water load, water load phase, um, and I know for that part of it, it is being done in the, the safest way as possible. You know, this guy gives them proper guidance. And um, as far as I'm concerned, all, all my guys are cutting weight in a, in a he- as healthiest way as possible. They're not trying to be the bigger man as such. They're just doing the weight cut of what this guy says is safe to do for their walk around weight. So no one's trying to reach a weight lower than this guy is saying they should do. Um, right. That's good. So uh, you know, as long as the, 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 the coach and the team is uh, doing the best by the athletes in terms of their longevity in the sport and their safety in the sport, I think it can be be, be done fairly and safely. Um, you just got to have the right person giving that information to the fighters and for the fighters to to, to, to do that information that are being given and do with it the right way. You know, of course, they, they could all cut corners and, and end up going on the weigh-in day a little heavy and having to cut more weight than they should. But if they're getting the guidance right and they do it right, I've seen that the results uh, are all good and all safe. Cool. So uh, final question was, um, what's more, as a fighter, what's more dangerous, a counter-attacking fighter with speed and power like a Israel Adesanya type Mm -hmm. fighter or a powerful fighter who comes at you and keeps coming? Yeah. Okay, like so or, uh, yeah, there's two ways you can look at this. So, uh, an aggressive fighter who comes at you, um, they, they, you know, they're, they're bringing their body mass in as they throw their punches and kicks. They're coming towards you. So, you could say that, you know, okay, they got their body weight coming forward with the shot, which can add to power. But by the same token, if you get a counter fighter, so let's use Jesse Elder as an example. You know, he, he keeps his feet really grounded and he waits for them to come in with their range and then throws the shot. So it's all about their timing and so on and so forth. But they have their feet really planted as they throw their shots. So as outright power shots, I would say the person with the most planted fleet, uh, feet would have the potential to throw the hardest shot than someone walking forward. So let's look at the example. You know, remember those old punch machines that used to have in amusements? You know, um, I think that if you had someone who knows their range and have their feet planted, will punch harder than someone who takes a run up at it. Quite okay. simply, because if you are going forward with your momentum, as though you are going forward with your body weight, your feet are somewhat disconnected from the ground. And um, I would say you have to have grounded feet to have the potential to throw the hardest shot. So I will say counter fighter. Cool. Okay. And uh, that's us pretty much done for this evening and our first yes. episode of the Danny Button Show. Uh, you can check out uh, Danny's Academy website, which is uh, bstacademy.co.uk. And uh, you can check uh, us out at facebook.com slash acecastnation. We're also on Twitter at acecast underscore nation. 
And uh, as I said at the start of the show, you can watch all the shows, not just this one, the football, all the other podcasts via video at youtube.com slash acepodcastnation or audio download at Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, and loads and loads of others. Drop us a thumbs up, drop us some comments, tell us what you like, tell us what you didn't like, and uh, we'll be back in a few weeks for UFC 244. And uh, thank you, Danny, for joining me, mate. Really enjoyed that. Thank you, Simon. Pleasure as always. uh, Indeed. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Thank you for joining us. Network.